Wow. That's good fun. I love the Holy Spirit because because when you make room for Him, He just does His work. And some of you might say, well, how does that work? Over the years, God's just taught me to listen to His voice and just make room for His Spirit. And many of you know how that works inside your heart. The key is learning to hear His voice and then having courage to step out and do it. And it doesn't mean you have to do what I'm doing because I've got to fulfill my call. But God wants you to know His peace in your heart. So when the enemy comes and attacks, you say, no, in Jesus' name, the Word of God says, I'm an overcomer. And so you learn to exercise your authority and you say, Holy Spirit, what's the truth in this situation? Not what the feelings or the lies or the overwhelming, what other people's opinions are or even what the doctor's opinion might be. They're doing the best they know how with all they've got. But you need to ask, Holy Spirit, what's the truth that I need to live in? And that changes, that shifts everything. It really, really does. Wow, God is good. John 16 verse 5, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, our helper. And there's different words in the Bible that describe who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. I want to just look at a few of them today and just talk and teach on it. And uh, John 16 verse 5 to 7, in the Amplified says, But now I am going to Him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth... It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. You ever read some of the things Jesus said and said, no, that doesn't sound right. Jesus saying, it's better if I leave. And they're saying, Jesus, we're just getting used to having you around. This has been an awesome journey. Three years of miracles and we're short on food. You just multiply it and, and we see the demons flee and the crowds come. This has been the most amazing three years of our life. And then you're saying, it's better for me to go. Especially Peter and some of saying, no, Jesus, you got it wrong. Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand that if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was and what he looked like and how he was going to work. Jesus was basically saying, when I'm here, I'm in one place at one time because I've restricted myself to a physical body. He came to demonstrate the Father's love and His kingdom through humanity so that He could demonstrate and model what we can be as we follow the kingdom of God. But He said, if I go, then the Holy Spirit will be poured out and He can fill every believer all over the world at the same time. So what I'm doing can be multiplied millions of times all at the same time. That's what he was trying to say, but they couldn't get it. In um, John 14, verse 15, in the message, it says, If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him. Doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. Wow, they thought, Jesus, if you go, we're going to be left on our own. You've been trying to show the Father to us and we're going to just be like orphans. We're going to be lost. And Jesus says, no, you won't be. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them 
That's who loves me, and the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself plain to him. He's trying to teach him that I'm going to leave. I've been here for a season. They wanted him to stay and, and uh, kick the Romans out and take over like King David did. That was their understanding of how the kingdom of God was going to come. You ever found sometimes God's plans a bit different than what we think? We think the kingdom of God's going to be established in our life or family or whatever this way. And he says, uh-uh, that's just the start point. We've got a lot more other things that are going to come. Sometimes it totally is the opposite of what we expect. But the key is just say, Holy Spirit, you do it your way and just help me to keep up. The last 10 or 20 years, Marilyn and I, we just say, well, God, you do your work and we just try and, we'll just try and keep up. And that's what we felt like now for 20 or more years. And he just keeps surprising us, amazing us, just doing incredible things. And we say, Lord, just help us to keep up. And I want to encourage you, God can do much more than you ask or think or imagine. And he's going to do it here by his spirit. I grew up at Crow's Nest, for those who don't know. So I'm a, I'm a local. I went to Toowoomba State High School and started work in the Commonwealth Bank in town here. And so I love this area and I love seeing um, churches everywhere and churches growing and being established. But hey, there's so much more. There's probably 100,000 people in this church, at least in, in this city, that don't go to church every Sunday. Hey, we've got a great harvest. We need every church full and overflowing. There are thousands right now in this city that are searching for answers. They're just looking in all the wrong places. I think it's harvest time. It's getting easier to win people to Jesus than I've ever seen in my life. And I'm 61 years old, 62 next week. And I am just amazed at what I'm seeing God do. And people are just coming every week into the kingdom of God. Some of you know we've got a drug and alcohol rehab, Bayside Transformations and 12-month live-in program like Teen Challenge and, and that's a separate charity but it's linked to our church. Last Sunday we had seven people graduate. Oh mate, that was the most amazing day. We all cried our way through an hour and a half of testimonies. Next time we do it we're going to have to have tissues on every seat because it was just, I saw people crying, I've never seen cry in church before, they were just so overwhelmed. One of the guys was 38 years a meth addict. All the people I've talked said they've never known anyone that's lived that long. With, and he, he, was, he basically had an overdose and for 40 minutes the paramedics were trying to revive him. They were, and it, yeah, his old dad was with him and then he started and then the paramedics arrived and they, they were going to give up. And his dad said, no, don't give up, please keep trying. 40 minutes later he came back and now he's graduated and now he's a supervisor in a program. And I just, we're just there thinking, God, you are incredible. You are amazing. We watched his journey and his dad came and saw him and, and, um, and normally you'd be totally brain damaged from all of that but, but God's grace has just helped him and now he sings songs about I'm going to take back what the devil stole from me and the whole place is just on their feet yelling and cheering. I thought, God, that's what you're doing. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people in this city that God's going to rescue. He's going to bring them in by his spirit and and you'll be flat out keeping up with it when, when you break through into what God's going to do in your lives. And it's just harvester. And in that program alone, we are, we are just humbled and I cry every time I think about it. We've had over a thousand people come to Christ in nine years through that program alone in little old Harvey Bay. And I just think, God, you are amazing. 
They haven't all finished and graduated, but nearly every one of them have met Jesus in the first week. They've got to come to church morning and night and they've got to take notes. And then they have to discuss on Monday night what they've learned. They're, they're much better than most of the Christians that come to my church. <laughs> and most of them had no Christian background. And I watch them and I think, God, over a thousand of them all over Australia and overseas now come to Christ in Harvey Bay through that program. And I just shake my head and say, God, how did that happen? How did that happen? And it's just like God said, don't limit what I can do. So as a church, don't limit what God's going to do here. There are a whole lot of people that no one else is reaching or connecting with, but he's put you in their workplace. He's put you in that family line. He's put you in that neighborhood because the kingdom of God is coming. Darkness is coming over our nation more and more, and a lot of people are terrified. But let me tell you, when the darkness gets darker, that's the time the light shines brighter. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Next verse says, Darkness has come over the people. See, gross darkness is over the nations. Third verse, But my glory has arisen. And he's going to heal and restore. And a while ago, when things were getting worse in our nation, I said, Lord, what are we going to do? And he says, It's okay, I'm in charge. Okay, right? I'm reminded of that. He is, he is in charge. Secondly, when it gets darker, the light shines brighter. And he said, it's going to get darker and brighter at the same time. You choose what you're going to focus on. That's what he said to me. You choose what you put your attention on. You can focus on all the negative stuff and, and all the sadness of abortion laws and euthanasia and all the gender fluidity and all the craziness that's going on. You can, you can spend your life just so angry and upset. But I've learned... The world wants to know what we're for, not what we're against. They want to know that the gospel is good news for every part of their life. So if you get asked, are you against this? I don't answer them. I say, I tell them what we're for. I don't answer the against question. I say what we're for. We're for hope, for identity, for forgiveness, for life. We're, we're for restoration of families and relationships. Just speak what you're for and don't answer the what you're against questions because they're all tricks of the enemy. And you watch what will happen. People will flock because they're, looking, they're desperately looking for answers. Let's get into this. As a departing teacher might introduce the pupils to her, his or her replacement, Jesus introduces them to the Holy Spirit. Because he's, he's their rabbi, their teacher. He's leaving. He says, I won't be here next week. But in a few weeks' time, there'll be a new teacher coming and his name's going to be Holy Spirit. So he's preparing them. And then he goes on and teaches about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, he says, the Holy Spirit will be my representative. The Holy Spirit in you comes in the name of Jesus Christ with equal authority and identical power. Sometimes we forget the Holy Spirit is fully God. So if Jesus walked in this room today, some of us would think, whoa, Jesus is here. Well, guess what? He is by his Spirit in full power every time you gather. And we don't, we don't really live with the full reality of that. Because if we did, guarantee we'd do church different, we'd do family life different, and we'd do all that we do different if we truly believed that the Holy Spirit is fully God and that when He's within us, everything shifts and changes. I don't think we really, really believe that because if we did, we'd speak and live very differently. And I'm challenged all the time on this dynamic. And so he, he says... He's going to be there, full and identical authority and power. This brought great comfort to the disciples, even though they didn't fully understand how it was all going to work out. And in the Amplified, I read the seven different uh, descriptions of what the Holy Spirit uh, means. It says, 
comforter, advocate, counsellor, friend, helper, intercessor, standby and strengthener. That's a pretty good list, hey? In the original Greek, the Holy Spirit is referred to as parakletos, which is a compound of two words. Para, which means alongside of, and kletos, which means one who's designated to you. So the Holy Spirit's God's representative for us. He says he will come alongside of and he's designated to help you live the most amazing life on this earth. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? That's what parakletos means. The Holy Spirit has been assigned to come alongside of you. He is the presence of Jesus with and in you fully. Oh, Lord. Can you see how these guys needed encouragement? Because they, they had worked out Jesus was going to take over and get rid of the Roman rulers who were cruel and harsh and he was going to restore the kingdom like David, King David had and he was going to keep doing the miracles and, and it was just going to be an amazing journey the rest of their days and Jesus said, well, it's actually going to be a bit different but it's still going to happen but it's actually going to happen through you, the church. It's going to happen through you as believers and they're freaking out saying, whoa. It's the evening before the crucifixion that Jesus is teaching them this. Even before he gets arrested. By sunrise, most of them will have abandoned him. Within 24 hours, he will be hanging on the cross and their world will seem like it's been turned totally upside down. But Jesus so clearly wants them to know, you'll never face the future without my help because the Holy Spirit's going to be in you and with you. And neither will you face the future without God's help. That's what the Holy Spirit is, our friend, our paraclete. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. <coughs> and He will help you. Just need some water, thanks, Mel. <coughs> he will help you. Remember everything that I have spoken to you. <coughs> Thank you. Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. That's what John 14, 27 says in the Amplified. Wow. Let's have a quick look at some of these names. Number one, comforter. Well, it's great to know that he's our comforter. That's not just when you are going through grief and you need a loved one. That's very special when he comforts us. But he's our comforter when we feel overwhelmed. He's our comforter when people harass us or intimidate us or try to control us. He's our comforter when we get disappointed. He's our comforter even when we ask God the Father for an answer to prayer and it doesn't happen for three weeks or three months or three years or ten years later than we thought it was going to get answered. Holy Spirit says, okay, I'm working. I've got to get you and all these other things in line before I release the answer. We only see from our side, he's got a much bigger perspective. And sometimes we've just got to see, he's got a much bigger perspective of our world. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. So whenever a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, any gifts of the Spirit comes, it's to bring comfort and encouragement and help. 
That's what the Holy Spirit was doing here when I was just praying for some of the people. He's spoken words of hope and comfort and encouragement. For some of you, that will give you courage to go and face your world with a whole new perspective now. Because the Spirit of God's just spoken something into your heart. 2 Corinthians 1 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Jesus Christ. Well, how awesome when He just comes beside us, when you're feeling alone. You know, we can be alone, but you don't have to be lonely. Why? Because He's our friend who's been given to us. And I understand the human, natural part of emotions and friendship. I understand that. And those that have lost someone special to them, there is a season of adjustment. I understand all of that. But just because you're alone doesn't mean you have to be lonely. You know, in Great Britain, they've actually appointed a minister in the government for lonely, loneliness. There's so many lonely people in, in England, they've actually made it a federal ministry. I thought, wow. Australia probably needs to, we've got a lot of lonely people. But hey, we don't have to be feeling lonely all the time because the Holy Spirit, our comforter, is with us and in us. And if we're part of a family of God, we don't have to be lonely because we're, a fa we're family. And this church is a family. That's why, some, that's why some of you have come and why some of you stay because it's a family where you feel connected and loved and supported. And there's mums and dads and brothers and sisters and kids and grandkids. That's, that's how the church is. It's a family. He's also our counsellor. Mate, do we need wisdom? We all need wisdom, not just to get the right answer at the, your exam at uni or <clears throat> next time a, a test at work. We need wisdom to live life. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, it says, keep your lives free from the... Oh, sorry, um, Isaiah 11, 2 says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We live in a world where there's more knowledge than ever. You can Google anything and in 30 seconds you've got an answer on something. We are full of knowledge, but I think we've got less wisdom than we've ever had. <clears throat> Look at the way we live our families, our finances. We do so much dumb stuff and we've got all this knowledge and information, but we don't have wisdom to know how to apply it. Because wisdom is knowing what to apply and how and when to apply it. That's what wisdom is. I pray for it every day. God, give me wisdom. <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit starts to nudge you, to uh, give a gift to someone at work or to offer to pray for someone or to be a listening ear, the next thing you do is say, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom of when and how I do that. That's how I learned to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I say, Lord, I know you're stirring my heart and I believe there's a word for someone with this condition <clears throat> or with this situation or that person. I say, Holy Spirit, is this for me to speak and do publicly? Is it for me to speak and share it privately? Is it for me just to pray for them with now fresh understanding and not speak to that person at all? Just because God shows you something doesn't mean you've got to bowl up to them and say, God's showing me this about you. Sometimes that's the worst thing, especially if they're not Christians. So when God speaks to me, especially with non-Christians, and I know it's a word of wisdom or a word of insight, I will ask them a question based on the information God's downloaded to me that will help draw them out and see where they're going to trust. I won't tell them God showed me anything. 
Sometimes I'll just ask a question, and they say, oh, yeah, things aren't real good in that area of my life. I said, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, okay. They start to share, and then you've got the doorway and permission to pray a prayer with them or to draw them closer to Jesus. And sometimes as Christians, we just lack wisdom in knowing what to do in the Holy Spirit. We've bowled people over. We've done stuff publicly that should never have been done publicly. We've sometimes spoken to the wrong person. That's the learning process. It, I call it the school of the Spirit, where you learn what and how and when to do stuff. And you've got wise pastors here, they'll help you. They've been doing this for decades. <clears throat> and, and you've got spiritual family that will help us sometimes. And if you make a mistake, saying, I shared this and I really thought it was God, but they've just reacted and won't talk to me anymore. So, how can I learn to do this better next time? If you've got a teachable heart, the Holy Spirit will take you further and He'll trust you with more. He'll give you a nudge when you're at the survey to buy someone else's fuel. Then it turns out they're a backslidden Christian that hasn't heard from God for 10 years and all of a sudden God just intervenes in their world and they're in church next Sunday because they think God loves me and He hasn't forgotten me. That's a nudge of the Holy Spirit that just opens up someone's life. It can be that simple. It doesn't have to know 25 scriptures and, and understand all about their life. You just got the nudge of the Spirit to pay for their fuel and it might be the doorway that they can trust God again. It can be that simple. God wants to teach us. He's our helper. Thank God He's our helper. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, <clears throat> never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When you know God's helping you, no matter what people say and do, you don't have to live in fear. You can trust Him. He's our advocate. That's a word we don't use very often. What's advocate? It's, it's a legal term, but it's a broader meaning than counsel for the defense in a court case. It referred to anyone who helped someone in trouble with the law. Some of us have got a bit in trouble with God's law, haven't we? <laughs> the Holy Spirit's here to help us understand how to obey, how to ask for forgiveness, how to get our life sorted and do it in order. So He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. This is good, good news. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we're doing dumb stuff and we don't even know it. And the Holy Spirit's praying for us. He'll in, he will get someone else to pray for you. How awesome it is, when, is it when God answers your prayer? But how awesome is it when God uses you to help answer someone else's prayer? That's what living a Spirit-filled life is like. God nudges you to give someone $20 and they've been praying and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table tomorrow. And they go away rejoicing because you listened to the Holy Spirit and now God's answered their prayer through you. That's an incredible joy. And uh, a few months ago, we were down in Melbourne and uh, on long service leave and uh, visiting our son and kids and everything. And one morning, I just felt I'd like to go to a church. I'd never been to it. I knew the pastors a little bit. It turned out, I looked at a map, it's an hour's drive on the other side of Melbourne, and Melbourne traffic's not much fun driving through, even a Sunday morning it's still crazy. But I really felt in my heart we should drive over there, we got lost on the way, GPS even got us lost, which I don't know how that happens, but it did in Melbourne, that's not much fun. But we finally got there a bit late, 
We sat down, and then someone sat down across the aisle from him, and I looked at Mary and said, that's him, I know him. And I won't mention names, because some of you may even know of him. He was a pastor, <clears throat> and after the service, great message, we went out to the, to the fellowship morning tea area, and he was one of the greeters, and he's greeting new people. And when he'd finished, we went over and just introduced ourselves, and he remembered us from years back. And then we just started chatting, and then he said, how's life for you? And he says, not good. His wife had left him, was facing divorce, and she'd been a Christian and walked away from God and his, her marriage, and, and he was just still honouring God, still serving, but broken-hearted. And, and Mary started talking with him and just downloading just words of comfort and encouragement. I started praying for him and God just gave me a very clear prophetic word for his life. He's crying his eyes out and at the end he says, this has been amazing. This has been God. He said, I've been serving in this church for years and I've served God for a long time. He said, this morning I woke up and said, God, it would be really good if you sent someone to give me a prophetic word today for myself. <laughs> How's amazing that? That made our holiday. We're an hour away, didn't know how to find the place, got lost, <clears throat> but I just knew I was meant to go. I had, I had no idea who he, that he was at that church or anything about his life. Hadn't talked to him for about 15 years. I thought, Lord, you are amazing. I share that story to say you never know when God's flowing through you and nudging you to say or do or give or share a scripture. You just never know what God's up to. And uh, so he's going to say, Romans 8, 26, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray. We'll put our hands up for that. We'll know the best things to ask for. Yep. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet He also understands the desire of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So when the Holy Spirit's praying for you, when He's praying through you, He gets you lining up with God's plan and destiny for you and other people's lives. That takes a whole lot of stress out of it. When you're praying with people, sometimes at the end they'll say, whoa, how do you know to pray about this and this? I said, well, I just felt in my heart to pray for your family or your work situation or your health. And the Holy Spirit's led you to pray and intercede for someone and you didn't know anything about that part of their life. That's how I learned to be aware that the Holy Spirit was flowing through me. When I was a young guy in youth leadership ministry, I'd pray for people and I'd just pray for their stated need. I'd say, what do you would like prayer for? And I'd say, oh, we need prayer for work. Then I'd start praying. I'd pray for their family. I'd pray for this and that. And then they'd be, I'd open my eyes, they'd be crying their eyes out. And I said, what's, are you Okay. Yeah, you've just prayed for all the other things I didn't tell you were happening in my life. And I started to learn that through prayer, I was hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. It's a really safe way to learn to hear the know the Holy Spirit's voice and way. You know, you're not getting embarrassed saying, I believe God's given me a word for you and it's not quite right. That's pretty embarrassing. But that's the way. So the intercessor. Two more. He's our... Uh, one more scripture there. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says... So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. We had a lady show up at church only a few weeks ago, came and saw Mary at the office, and she'd 
been spirit-filled and spoken in tongues, but she'd been in one or two churches where they just messed up her understanding and said, if anyone speaks in tongues, um, then it's got to be, st- the service has got to be stopped and it's got to be interpreted. And it just, she didn't understand personal prayer language of tongues and a public utterance when someone will speak or sing a, a, a message in tongues and someone else will interpret or even that same person will interpret. That happened in our service this morning. You know, the worship leader spoke in tongues and then a song, a prophetic song comes out in interpretation of that. We, Mary explained all that to her and she, it just started to settle. She said, you've got to test in case it's a, the tongue is from the devil. I'm thinking, well, that, that, that's, that's not right. She came to church the following week and just was touched and she's been back and brought her husband last week to church. I don't even know his story. But just simple teaching and explanation of the, the speaking in tongues. What's that? Yeah, she, she said she felt safe because she'd been in one or two churches where it was just weird and wacky and didn't know what was going on. Hey, moving in the Spirit and speaking in tongues and the supernatural of God doesn't have to be scary. If it's God, you won't, won't understand it always with your mind because 1 Corinthians 2 says you won't understand all the things of it with your natural mind, but your heart will know this is truth. And that's what we've got to learn to live in. Some of you will say, well, if you speak in tongues and do that in church, we're going to scare off the unbelievers. I just happened to read 1 Corinthians 14. It says, tongues are a sign to the unbeliever, not the believer. And I don't know where churches have got this thing that if you have tongues, it's going to scare unbelievers away. The Bible says exactly the opposite. Sure, you don't do it weird and wacky and have it out of order, but we have had many circumstances where people have got saved or come to God because they've heard someone speaking in tongues, so I don't understand that, what is that? They start asking questions, then you lead them to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We've got too clever and tried to live out of our natural reasoning minds in church instead of letting the Holy Spirit do His work, His way, with wisdom and understanding, and let me tell you, the supernatural breaks loose, and that will bring more people into the kingdom quicker than anything else. Not weird and wacky but room for the Holy Spirit. I remember I was praying for a lady a few years ago and she started to manifest at the altar and it was clear evil spirits were breaking off a life and uh, she went down the floor and I'm just praying and then the thought crossed my mind, you know what happens when you're ministering, oh, we've got a whole pile of new transformation guys here, probably never been in a service like this in their life, I wonder what they're thinking. So I'm down here praying, I just glanced up, about four rows back, where all the transformation guys, some of them had never been in a church in their life or they'd only been for one or two weeks, you know what they were doing? They were all standing on their seats, clapping and cheering. They didn't know what was going on, but they knew there was spiritual power happening here. And all they had to do was explain for 30 seconds, said this person's getting free from darkness and strongholds over their life. And let's celebrate that Jesus is more powerful than any darkness. Within the next two or three weeks, all those guys got saved. Now, I could have preached all the clever sermons, would have never persuaded them, but one moment of demonstration of the supernatural of the power of God convinced them that Jesus is more powerful. we just got to walk with wisdom. And, and that's just, I've been brought up in Pentecost, chosen to live that way all my life. Not crazy. I teach the people. But let me tell you, when you make room for the Holy Spirit, He'll do it His way. It's not all signs and wonders. God spoke to me a long time ago. He said, if you want to win a city for Jesus... Do what I did in the book of Acts. I said, that's good. What did you do? He said, word, deed, and sign. The word was preached, taught, understood, explained. There were deeds of kindness, love, care, ministry of love, and there were signs and wonders. 
And he said, most churches are good at one or two, but very few are good at all three. And I started to think, I said, that's true. There's an encounter I had with the Holy Spirit about 25, 30 years ago when I was starting out and running around church. And I thank God for it. Word, deed, sign. And he said, if you can learn to make room for word, deed and sign properly in your church environment, not just your public meetings, but all that you do, he said, you will shake a city like they did in the book of Acts. And I thought of the salvos, amazing with deeds, but some of them scared of the supernatural of God, which is a shame because um, salvos were birthed in revival. You read their early story, they were wilder than any Pentecostal service I've been in. You read their story. The Wesleyan Methodists, they had amazing moves of God. They had to stop people sitting in the trees to hear Wesley preach because they were getting slain in the spirit and falling out of the tree. This is documented stories. But you talk to a Methodist, they say, oh, that didn't happen. You study their history and it's true. The Salvo's the same. They'd have so many people that were slain in the Spirit, they built racks on the back walls of their church to stack them so they could keep ministering to people. Oh, this is documented fact. And we sort of think, no, that couldn't be happening. You read the history properly because every move of God started with supernatural signs and wonders. And then after a while, we get clever and say, we'll just make it safe and comfortable for people. And then the move of God slows down because we think we're smarter than the Holy Spirit. We've got to walk with wisdom. Paul taught them, hey, don't have everyone doing crazy stuff. Do it in order. We want to put order in before there's anything happening. So we've got all these ordered churches, but there's no supernatural happening. Paul comes and said, let things be done decent order. After they got a revival and there's all these supernatural signs and wonders that gives you, says, hey, we better get a little bit of order in here so people don't think this is chaos. And we've gone the other way. We want it just to be decent in order and not offend anyone. Let me tell you, Jesus was really good at offending the minds of people, but he'll always win the hearts. We haven't want to offend minds or hearts, and so we've locked up the Holy Spirit. Dangerous, dangerous. But I'm really encouraged more and more churches are making space. Making space for the Holy Spirit to, to be who he is meant to be, our helper, our amazing, amazing God. I don't have all the answers, but the more I make room for the Holy Spirit, the more people are getting saved. The more people who have never been in church in their life just keep showing up. And I think, God, you're amazing. Let me tell you, if you make room for the Holy Spirit, He'll start sending more people to your life and your church. About six weeks ago, I got a phone call from a young lady. She said, are you a pastor? I said, yep. Can I come and see you? I said, yeah, if you want to come and see me. She said, I'm not a Christian, never been in church in my life, but a Christian friend of mine who I trust has told me you need to go to a pastor. I said, what's the problem? She said, I have got into serious occult stuff where, and over a period of time, and she said, it's, I'm so controlled by darkness now of being harassed to go and drown myself in the ocean every day I'm waking up with my body scratched from evil spirits at night she was seriously in trouble I said come on in an hour later I get another phone call from a guy in Mackay and he says I've got a friend a lady that I've encouraged to come to a pastor in your city and I said she rang me an hour ago compared names he was a Christian who wasn't going to church, so I stirred him up to get back into church, but he had told this lady. So she comes in a few hours later into my office. It's about eight weeks ago. 
And we started to chat, get a story. She was so tormented and so nervous. Every time I mentioned the name of Jesus, she would just mock, start mocking and laughing. And, and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I said, no, the spirit of darkness in you is, is laughing at the spirit of Jesus in me. But I said, he's much stronger. She said, I'm not crazy. I'm not got mental. I said, no, you haven't. She said, you believe me? I said, I believe you. We had an hour conversation. It was one of the most interesting conversations I had for a while. I tried to lead her to Jesus, but she wasn't ready. But she let me give her a Bible, and she let me pray for her. So I bound up the spirits of darkness. She said, I, I just, it tries to drive me to, to kill myself, to drown myself every day. She said, I've got a five-year-old child. I said, you cannot kill yourself. You're a, you're a mum. I said, you need to come to church. She wouldn't give me a number or details, so I respected that. Next Sunday, she came to church. She was in and out of the service because every time we'd sing the name of Jesus, she'd be running out of the building, tormented, laughing and mocking in the back seat. Thankfully, one of our young adults twigged what was happening, sat with her and tried to explain. Then she didn't come to church for a month. It hadn't given me. I, I just kept praying. I said, Lord, bring her back. Bring her back. Bring her back. About a month later, she shows up, walks out the front and says, I want Jesus. I led her to Jesus. This is about four weeks ago. And I prayed for God's release over her life. But as soon as I mentioned Jesus, she just started shaking and shaking her head. She couldn't even say the name of Jesus for quite a while. I prayed for what I could, bound up the work of darkness. And she said, I'm not ready for that prayer yet. The following Sunday, she comes back. She still hasn't given me a number, so I can't ring her anything. I've just got some people praying for her. She came back. She walked out the front at the end of the service says, I'm ready for that prayer. I said, okay, let's go. So I got one of my prayer team to sit down with her and we prayed. We got a part way through the journey because she's got so much stuff. I said, this lovely lady here, she'll help lead you through this journey. She's still in and out, came the following week, still back and forward with whether she'll keep appointments or not, but we're praying her into total freedom. And let me tell you, her story is going to radically impact who knows how many hundreds of people. This is, this is kingdom life. This is Book of Acts Christianity. They don't have to be all that dramatic, but God is at work. And I want to encourage you guys, the kingdom of God's breaking loose like I haven't seen for a long, long time. I'm just so excited because we're seeing supernatural stuff happen all the time. Only three or four weeks ago, I had a word at night that there were people there with heart rhythms that were out of order and skipping beats. It was a very specific word. I've only ever had it twice before. And I had it that night, and this guy comes out who's a new guy in transformation, just a new Christian. I prayed for him. Power of God hit him. He comes the following Sunday and says, I had to go to the doctor this week for my normal checkup on my heart. It used to go dunk, 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 dunk. Every fourth beat would drop out. He's lived with that for 15 years. He went to the thing, dunk, 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 totally normal. The specialist saying, what's happened? Pulls out the chart, all the previous tests. He said, I went to church and got prayed for. He comes back the following Sunday and tells me. So we get him up, interview him briefly, just shout and praise to God. And then there's faith for any other miracles. See, it's, it's not hard. And it humbles me that God's doing this. But let me tell you, it's for every church and every believer. And I just want to encourage you. When Peter rang me, your pastor rang me to come, I said, yeah, I know, I want to come. I want to come because 
I just want to share some of these stories and stir your heart. And it's not just about the signs and wonders, it is word, deed and sign. If you have all the signs and wonders and no love for people, it's not going to work. And if you don't teach people, what happened to the book of Acts? <coughs> the Lord spoke to me years ago, he said, if you want to have a book of Acts church, do what book of Acts did. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit got poured out, <coughs> speaking in tongues, supernatural everywhere, and then Peter gets up and preaches from the Word and explains what's just happened. He said, for way too long in church, we've preached nice clever sermons, <coughs> done a prayer at the end and hope something happens. But it's much better to get the Holy Spirit moving, see stuff, then teach and explain what's happened, and then people get saved. 3,000 in the book of Acts. And people will come into the kingdom and that's a much easier way to do the church. And that's what I've been trying to do for the last few years and it's so much fun.